Welcome to the Leadership Pulse Healthcare Culture's new heartbeat. I'm your host, Becky Wolf, and I'm thrilled to have our guest, uh, Dan Huckins, with us today. Dan is dedicated to the health and transformation of leaders, emerging talent, and teams. He has over 25 years of experience leading organizations and holds a doctorate in leadership and communication. He pulls from expertise in strategic leadership consulting, coaching, team performance, and cross-organization training to unlock people's true potential. His client experience includes healthcare, energy, legal, engineering, and the nonprofit space. As a corporate director of leadership and culture in healthcare, he is daily immersed in the challenges and triumphs of business leaders. He's married to Pam. They live in Ohio, where Dan enjoys hanging out with family, refinishing furniture, walking the beach, and indulging in the all things football. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. So first thing I have to ask, are you a Cleveland sports fan? So you mentioned football. Are you Cleveland sports? Now that might get me in trouble right out of the box. Okay. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not a big Cleveland uh, fan. I'm not, I'm not from Ohio originally. That probably has a big uh, difference on that. But I'm a, if, when football, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Although I do like the Browns and I root for them. Uh, however, that leads to some disappointment mm, okay. sometimes. Oh, yeah. Lots of disappointment yes. in that arena, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So the position I had on last night is the ENT for the Dallas Cowboys. So Oh, wow. <laughs> I need to meet he likes that your guy. team as well. Yeah. Yes. 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 He's amazing. Yes. yes. He is amazing. Awesome. So, um, okay. So I'm going to jump in and just ask a question that I ask guests. And yours is likely going to be from a leadership and culture standpoint, but um, what is something you would want everyone in healthcare to know about leadership and culture right now? Well, I mean, there's obviously a, a lot of things, but the, the thing that I have seen most impactful is just the dramatic culture shift that someone would say it, it, that we've been through. And I would say, no, we have been through it, but we're still in the culture shift. And we're probably going to see a lot more. Mm -hmm. And that's largely driven mm -hmm. by innovation. So, I mean, if you go back way in history, 1450, if you go back to the Gutenberg Press, right, it changed the world. Everyone could read now, have books and things. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, in our own time, you get to the internet, and that was a massive shift. And then you get smartphones, and that's a massive shift, and social media, and it becomes to pile, it kind of piles up, right? And so, at the same time, we're, we're heading into another, maybe bigger disruption with the birth of artificial intelligence. And so, the thing that that really has uh, impacted is the way we work, right? And it certainly has affected, impacted healthcare but in, in just massive ways. But when you think about how that works, before all these things, particularly technology has taken to place that it has, well, there were really clear boundaries. Um, you go to work, you come home, you could rest, you'd be with your family, you'd show up the next day. And now that's completely gone because in the digital days, all those boundaries are stripped, right? We're connected 365, 24 seven. And now add to that, uh, the pandemic. Um, and then you add to kind of the chaos in the world. And it's this all has this massive impact on leaders, particularly, and I think in healthcare, it's even, it's even more exacerbated. Um, so to get, really get to the mm -hmm. answer to the question, I think that the the thing that P 
people need to, if they don't even don't know it already, most of the leaders do, is just how difficult it is it, it is to maintain a healthy work-life balance in a world that never shuts down, that never stops. And so it's this constant challenge for leaders to figure out how do I stay healthy in this kind of world? A lot of us remember, I'm old enough to remember when the world had the boundaries. And now we've made this yeah. shift and we're still in the shift. That's the crazy thing. Pandemic sped some of those things up, but it's still, it's still a reality. Mm -hmm. And I think in my experience in working with leaders, it's the number one challenge for them as individuals. And then of course, for their organizations yeah. because of it. Yeah. So I think you're alluding to like the different types of leadership. So industrial age leadership versus digital yes. age, right? Yes. So you've already highlighted some of those challenges already. So what are you seeing specifically in healthcare? So you kind of touched on this a little bit, but if you could elaborate a little more on what you've seen. Well, if you take healthcare just apart from all what we just talked about, but then think about what are some of the challenges that even make that more difficult for the for leaders the exodus of nurses and frontline workers uh, across healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, we, again, we saw this before the pandemic, we were having some of these challenges. And then you come to today mm -hmm. where turnover, staffing shortages are, are impacting every day. I mean, how do we, the, the average leader, I think out there in health, in the healthcare world is saying, how do I navigate today, today in the challenges I have to serve our patients or serve our residents with quality care and stay alive myself, right? And, it, and it, the, I think that what yeah. really brings it to the fore, we, you know, we don't make hamburgers in healthcare, right? And fries, nothing wrong with making hamburgers and fries. People make a lot of money doing it, but we're into savings lives and changing people's lives. And so the, the leaders live with that challenge and I guess maybe burden. There's a great reward to it, a lot of joy in it too. But I think that the pressure on the leader now is far greater than it was even maybe a few years ago or five years ago. So in the healthcare space with those that you're, you're working around, um, how have you navigated some of those challenges? Um, what's what's it been like for you in working in those spaces and consulting with different physicians and um, and practices? Well, I think the first thing I, I try to help people is to we have to rethink leadership in healthcare, and the, mm -hmm. that we need a different kind of leader than perhaps historically has been modeled and lived out in healthcare. And of course, coming out of consulting and giant worldwide, I really completely convinced that we need a leader and leaders who fight for the highest possible good of those they lead. And sometimes it's a fight uh, to be able to do that given everything else that is that is coming at the average manager, the, manager, the average leader. And so really begin to think about what does it really look like to create that, uh, culture of empowerment opportunity for our employees. So they, not only do they want to be there, um, they actually can become the, their best self. And we, we call that deliberating leader. I'm sure you've talked about that before in the podcast. But so it's, it's first helping people see there is an, op, there is an option. 
uh, in what kind of leader we can be. Because I, I was uh, I was thinking the other day. I saw this quote. Uh, it was said, uh, "It's not simply being a great leader, but wanting to our teams and our organizations to be led by a great leader." And it sounds like the same thing, except the shift is away from how great the leader is to how great are they actually leading people and teams on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. And it makes me think of influence being the new leadership standard, yes. right? So it's not positional power. It is actually leading through influence. And what type of influence does that leader have? Yes. Um, what's what's helped you define that? So in healthcare space in particular, because I, you know, coming from healthcare background, we never had any type of development as leaders, as um you know, a professional development or anything. It's been focused on medical education, which is also very important because, you, like you said, we're yeah. saving lives, we're in people's lives and helping yeah. them um, be healthy. However, uh, if, you know, we're not being taught how to lead. So how do you explain leading through influence? Yes. Well, and you're, you're, I think you're, you're spot on. You know, we come out of a world that relied on title and position, which means we relied on power and fear (laughs) so that people would do what we needed them to do, right? Well, honestly, that day's long gone. I mean, in terms of, will it work? (laughs) And even when we did it and did it work, what we got out of people was compliance. They would do what we, they had to do, but that was the end of the ride. So they have to follow you because, well, you got the title. In the, the shift to influence is really in, has, is intentional and relational, right? Because everyone will tell you we have to have people who are engaged and that drives performance. It doesn't matter industry you're in, which means they give you their discretionary time and energy by definition. They want to work and they want to follow. So it, it is a big shift from saying, I'm going to try to lead by power to I'm going to lead by influence. Because I would say influence is the real power. Um, it, when you see the out, what the outcomes are, if, you, if that's what you do. I, I remember when I w- was leading, I would say to my staff, listen, um, you should only put your boss head on about 5% of the time because you have no other choice. But 95% of the time, you have to lead by influence. You have to lead by character. You're going to have to lead by your ability to build relationships, your competency, your credibility. So basically, you have to lead by building trust. That sounds, well, that's easy. (laughs) I laughed at, no, 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 that's that's a lot of work. However, here's the cool part about it. It actually makes our our lives easier as leaders, much easier than if we try to use position and title. Now, I know I talk to people and I share this with them and they give me like a tilt of the head like my dog does when it it listens to me talk to them. They, They like almost can't comprehend that kind of shift. Well, I thought if, you got, if you're a manager, you just tell people what to do. I said, well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> that world doesn't work anywhere. <laughs> so it's a big deal. It's, it's, yep. yeah. But it's t- what, the results are unbelievable when you get to real influence with people. 
I mean, I've, I've thought of a couple yeah, leaders. It really is. Yeah, I've thought of a couple leaders in my life, particularly one. You know, I look back, I think I would have charged hell with a water pistol if that's what he wanted me to do. Because his influence with me and his, his fighting for my highest possible good and his relationship me, I wanted to follow him, whether they paid me or not. That, I look back and think, oh my goodness. Yeah. That was, that was huge, right? Yeah. That takes a lot of energy to build a relationship like that. And I think that like when you said like yes. you get leaders who kind of tilt their head like, oh my gosh, that seems like it's a lot of work. And it can be. It It, it is a different way of thinking through it. Um, so I want to ask you, I think uh, this is, so what gets in the way? What gets in the way of building trust like that? Well, I mean, there's a number of things, in, but in, in my world, the number one thing is something we call self-preservation. Uh, self-preservation can be defined in many ways, but on a, just a very foundational basis, self-preservation is the fear of losing. Um, and what happens when we are afraid of losing something, then we protect it more. And we can easily overprotect that thing we're afraid of losing. And ironically, when we overprotect the thing we're afraid of losing, we lose it more quickly. Mm-hmm. So if, if you look at, let's, let's put some examples. So let's say you're afraid of losing your job. Well, you start protecting your job more, probably even overprotecting out of fear. And, and like you may copy people on emails, blind copy them or competent so everyone can see what you're doing and that you're you're like competent or whatever it is you're trying to prove. And what happens is it, it gets weird <laughs> and you end up losing your 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 position more quickly or you're afraid of losing money if if you take the time to build relationship or respect if they really get to know you or your insecurities or your pride and because self-preservation is really rooted in pride and it's rooted in in selfishness and insecurity i know for me i didn't know for years i didn't even know what self-preservation was at least as related to leadership I I came to the discovery that my self-preservation was I was always trying to prove myself to myself and other people. Yeah. And it was a breakthrough day because it led to all sorts of unhealthy behaviors on my part that made me unhealthy, but it had the everybody paid for it that I, I led or influenced. Yeah. And so... Being able to, so I'm free. <laughs> I'm a happier person. I'm a healthier person. Leadership becomes easier when I, because if you can identify it, right, it, that's the half the battle. How can I identify my self-preservation? Well, we really offer three questions to, to figure it out. What am I afraid of losing? What am I trying to hide? What am I trying to prove and to whom? One of those questions, if we'll really dig into ourselves will ding, if you will, our own self-preservation. And I've learned if someone can identify their self-preservation, they're halfway home, right? Because from that point, once you're, you come to awareness, you can begin to deal with it. But here's the, here's the kick, I think. Once, I, once you identify your own self-preservation, so you say, well, where do I go from there? Well, you have to move to being real and vulnerable because that is for real anyway. It's, that's, that's the truth anyway. 
that uh, whatever it is we're vulnerable, that's who we really are. So I no longer have to wear my mask. I mean, one guy says, well, actually, her, it was him and a, the other authors, Gal was saying that most people have two jobs. One job is the one that's on their job description. The other job is sh showing up, trying to be the person you think everybody else wants you to be. Mm -hmm. Well, why do we do that? Because of our own self-preservation, <laughs> right? So yeah. this is a really powerful thing. So being able to identify it and then saying, what, what kind of leader do I need to shift into? Well, I, I really like the description we give, which is humble, secure, and confident. Because everybody wants, everybody wants to follow someone humble because any, any idiot can be, uh, be arrogant. I mean, yeah. and prideful. We all have that in us, right? Mm -hmm. Security, that's the fear bit, right? Mm -hmm. And then confidence in who I am as a person and then as a leader. Those are the things that open the door to real relationship and real influence. That's not an easy journey mm -hmm. for any of us. But if you can catch a vision of what it would be like to be able to lead by influence and people want to follow you, I mean, for me anyway, and I know for, for a lot of people I know, they want that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Even if they don't have a conscious awareness of it. And so it's, 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 such, so, it's so liberating to be able to break through that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I, one more caveat on that. I will always have a tendency to try to prove myself to myself and other people. Nothing wrong with proving your abilities to other people. I'm talking about when we start protecting ourselves and trying to show it to someone else. I will have a tendency to do that. So, but I think, I think some people around me, close to me can tell you, I think it's weakened a lot in my life anyway. And I do really do choose. To, I'd much rather be humble, secure, and confident. If if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And the question that always that always haunts me is like, what am I trying to hide? Because for years, I like imposter syndrome was the thing that I've had to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I think the the cool thing about um, know yourself to lead yourself with Giant, one of the tools that we use, is it is very similar to the behavior change model and recognizing. So the awareness comes first. And then it's, it's the thought of like, oh my goodness, I can actually choose to show up how I want to, or like get to choose like what my next action would be. And then the consequences from that. So, and we get to shape the reality that we see. And we, you know, I work backwards with clients all the time of what reality are you not getting that you want and how can I help you get that? Yeah. And it's challenging them. I, yeah. I, the conversation I had last night with uh, the physician, I'm like, that's one of the, the best Parts of our job, I think, is people hire us to challenge them to get to their potential. Mm. And it is it is so exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I love that you brought up the self-preservation. I think that is the thing that most gets in the way of us having the relationships that we want with people. And I think that's personal and professional. Um, so what would, what's a good yeah. starting place? So say somebody is like really interested in... Um, building those relationships and leading at higher levels in healthcare in particular, like what, what tool do you use as a foundational tool to help them measure where they're at now and then help them move forward? Well, I think, I do think it all spins back to our leader health and because it's, it's really hard to deal with your own self-preservation, do all these other things if we're not healthy. And, um, 
I, I'm so passionate about this for two reasons. One, I spent so much of my leadership unhealthy. A lot of times I didn't know it. Sometimes I knew it. And not only was it, did it make leadership so much harder for me, it had everyone paid for that, like I said before, for my lack of health. So for us, I mean, I really, there's, I, self-preservation is probably the biggest barrier to our health, but there's more than that. So we use the tool, um, and I don't know if you've used it here on, in your podcast, we call it the 100X Indicator. Um, and it really asks two questions. How healthy are you and what are you multiplying? Simple questions, at least on the surface. And so we would say, people, for leaders, we have to ask ourselves, so what's your leader health one to 100, 100 being perfect health? And we would say, okay, really 80 to 100 is probably healthy for a leader and that leader is able to multiply. And by multiply, we, I mean multiply their skills, their knowledge, their expertise, multiply their leader skills, all those kinds of things. So if some, if you listen out there, maybe you're driving down the road, you think, okay, I got my number, but don't, don't get you your number yet. Um, let me, let me ask, encourage you to take it into consideration some of the factors that really are involved in leader health. Well, obviously, physical factors. If I'm not feeling good, that's going to affect it. Emotional, mental health, but even more specific, how much anxiety do you have? How much does fear determine your decisions? What's your level of stress? Uh, are, are you getting some control over your own insecurities? Are you angry about something? Um, so there's a lot of questions along that, but I think it also, what well, no, I don't think, I know it goes into, okay, how are my relationships as a leader with my family or my coworkers or my reports? What level of self-awareness do I have? So there's all these different things that come into leader health uh, apart from the kind of the basics. So if you filter it through those lenses, now say, okay, what's my health as a leader? One to a hundred. And so it's not only that we need to come up with that number, just as looking in a mirror, if you will, at ourselves, we also have an, we have to think about the impact we have on as leaders. So we would say that leaders can divide people. That's one impact. Subtract from people, add value to people, or multiply. The healthiest leaders multiply into their people, skills, knowledge, expertise, positivity, you name it. Um, so you stop and say, okay, I have this number, but what, what's my impact on, on the people in my life? Am I, and it's probably different with different people, right? So one person may come back and say, well, you, you, you subtract from me. When I leave your presence, I feel exhausted. <laughs> you know, other person say, no, I, I man, I, you always add value to my life. And so, but we generally do have an impact on, on people given what our health happens to be in the moment. The next piece is, okay, I got my number, I got my impact. Which way am I trending? Do I feel like I have this number? Let's say it's a 75. Do I think, do I feel like I'm trending up towards 100? Do I feel like I'm just going sideways with this? Or am I going down away from that 100? Because that's a huge deal. If I'm trending up, that feels way different than if I'm trending down, no matter what my number happens to be. But I think there's another piece with this, um, which is to say, okay, what are the current con consequences of my health? Whatever it happens, I've decided it is. 
what is that what are the con whether i have health or lack thereof what's the consequence to to my leadership to my coworkers to my team what are the real world implications to my performance and my relationships based on what my health is that's really what caught me was i was beginning to understand there were consequences to my lack of health and that's what really kind of shook me I thought maybe I was I was just yeah. able to hide it and no one would notice. And of course, they all did. And they just didn't tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Finally, someone yeah. did, which was nice. But by then, I already knew I was not in a good place. So but if you think about it, if, if your health percentage low is low, people experience that. If you're if it's high or at least healthy, everyone profits from that. So once you get your number, the question is, OK, why is it that number? If I have a 75, why am I a 75? Why not a 65? Why not an 80? What's underneath that drives that number? And then, of course, most important after doing that is, what are you going to do about that? (laughs) What are you going to do about your current leader health? And it really is to say, what are some simple, measurable steps or changes I can make to start trending toward that 100x leadership. We're not going to change over overnight. Most of us adults don't make those kinds of alterations that quickly. But what's going to get me start moving in that direction? If I can take one step, I can then take another step and another step. And then, of course, the tough one, who's going to hold you accountable for that? You know, not, you know, a plan without uh, execution is just a good idea. Uh, but who's going to come to you and say, hey, Dan, how are you doing on those steps you said you wanted to take to, to be healthier? So I, I think that's a, that's a quick run through. And we, say, we would say along with this, you can't give what you don't possess. If you possess health, you, you multiply health. By the way, if you're not healthy, you multiply that too. And so yep. I and, and so I love healthcare and I really have huge appreciation for the people and the leaders. And I want you healthy, but we need you healthy. And that looks a little bit different for everybody. Um, it looks a little bit different for me to get healthy than you get healthy. And there's some basic stuff. I mean, obviously sleep and diet and exercise. But there, there are other things you have to put into play. Uh, in order to raise that health. Some of it's just obvious to you as soon as you think about it, but I think you, you probably gather the the point of that. Yeah, and I, I I like the reference too, and you know this is a big reason why I love Giant because it's scalable, everybody can engage with it, and that's what culture is. So if you're just yeah. coaching those at the highest level, they don't, the rest of the team doesn't benefit and you're not producing health in the rest of the organization. So. This is why, in particular, I love Giant. Yeah. In the podcast before, I used a baseball reference. It's almost like just coaching the pitcher. Yeah. If you're just coaching people at higher levels versus coaching the entire team, right? Yeah. The uh, the benefits the team or you know the wins that the team gets are yes. a lot less than if you're coaching the rest of the team. So, but yeah, thanks for walking us through that tool. Absolutely, I, I love Absolutely. that tool, and I think you explained it incredibly well. And I would say, you know, if you're listening to this and you feel like, ooh, maybe I'm a subtraction leader or maybe my health is even that of of being a division leader, 
it is okay. And recognizing where you're at, the awareness to that is huge. Dan and I have have both been there. I've been the subtraction leader to probably tons of people in my life um, before I became aware of what it was like to be around me and how people were perceiving me. And it changes your relationships, the awareness to how you're showing up in your spaces. So, Mm. um, but it is worth doing the work. Would you agree with that? Oh, I... I can't even begin to tell you how worth it is. I mean, if you just look at your own personal self and the difference that it is for you as a person, but mm-hmm. obviously it, it can't stop there. That investment in yourself is the greatest investment you're ever going to make for yourself and for everybody around you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We talk about this about the self-circle mm-hmm. and saying you work on yourself first in healthcare, that sounds antithetical. I oh, mean, work on me first. I got to care for people. I'm like, well, if you don't work on yourself, you're not going to be very good at caring people. Mm-hmm. So I've really taken up this, this term of putting on your oxygen mask first. Mm-hmm. I like the image so much because it's counterintuitive. You have kids yeah. sitting next to you and the, and the flight attendant says, uh, when the oxygen mask comes down, which you're hoping it never comes down, put yours on first. So I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you put mine on first? I got my child here. I got to start there. Well, we all know why they say that because you're not going to survive long enough to help your child. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's counterintuitive, but it's absolutely where we have to start um, yeah. is put my oxygen mask on first, mm-hmm. get healthy, stay healthy, that has a great return on investment to everybody that I'm trying to lead and influence. Yeah, no, I love that. I love it. Well, thank, that's a perfect spot to wrap up too, Dan. So thanks so much for the conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. Hey, it's, uh, it's been great to be with you, Becky, today. And um, again, I, I just love healthcare. I love the, the people in it. And if mm-hmm. anything we can do to uh, impact their lives and make them better leaders, we're all about it. Absolutely. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? If they want to reach out after the podcast, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, pretty easy. My name's Dan Huckins. So you just put a dot in there. Dan dot Huckins, H-U-C-K-I-N-S at giantworldwide.com. There you go. Perfect. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for your time. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to us on this episode of the Leadership Pulse. 